Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining us on the show today is a guest who came across the podcast sort of a roundabout way, but I'm very, very glad that he found us and that he's here to tell us about what he is doing, his mission, his cause. And I think also importantly, the interesting way that he's able to market his show and the relationship that he has built. I think you are all going to get a ton out of this episode. We are speaking with Dwayne France. He is the host and creator of the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast. You can find more about it at VeteranMentalHealth.com. Of course, we will have a link to that and all of the other links that are important to you if you want to check him out and check out the show. Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Yeah, I appreciate it, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. And as you can imagine, we are talking about the military. And so I will tell you that Dwayne has honorably served our country for 22 years. So first and foremost, we do want to thank him for his service and for standing up for all of us during that time. So thank you, Dwayne. But Dwayne, this is a very, very serious topic that you are approaching. And I want to make sure we give it the gravity that it deserves. You know, if you read any news, if you pay attention at all, we know that suicide amongst active and especially veteran military personnel in this country is too high. I mean, whatever that number is, it's too high, but it's very, very high and it's very problematic. So why did you want to get involved in this space in creating content around this crisis that we're dealing with? Really, this actually emerged out of another project. So this is a second podcast that I had developed. And as you mentioned, I retired from the Army after 22 years in 2014. And after that, I became a clinical mental health counselor. So I'm also a practicing clinician, currently working with service members, veterans, and their families. And in about 2016, I started, some people approached me to be a guest on some podcasts talking about mental health and wellness. And then that emerged into connecting with some other veterans who had a podcast network, the Change Your POV podcast network. And they brought me on and helped me start to develop a show called Headspace and Timing. It was, again, specifically focused on mental health and wellness, not suicide in particular, but more of a general topic for the military population. We produced about 150 episodes of that. And as we got closer towards the end of that 150, I noticed a lot of the Guests were wanting to talk more and more about suicide and the topic of suicide. And obviously, as we got towards the end of 2018, 2019, it has become more and more of a topic, which then emerged into developing this year-long project specifically focusing on this narrow aspect of this particular population. So with your background, with your expertise, with the experience that you have had, what are some of the main drivers of military suicide that we see in this country today? It's a common question and one that is 
far beyond the scope of the time limit that we have here. And this is one of the things a lot of people are really thinking about. What are the signs? And people are wanting to know what the intervention is to be able to stop someone immediately. The research is really showing that there's about 20 different factors that play into someone who is in a suicidal crisis or enacts self-harm. Definitely things like financial hardship, relationship issues, previous trauma. But there are a lot of misconceptions around suicide in general, but definitely suicide in the military population such that combat veterans are all suicidal or that veterans who are suicidal or service members who are suicidal must be experiencing some mental health condition. And so really the biggest thing to get across, it's a very, very complicated topic that's very difficult to sort of boil down into give us these top three or four. That is fair. And thank you for letting us know that the common perceived perception of this is different than what we think. So with the podcast itself, I think you said this is a limited series that you're doing. What is the approach here? Who are you talking to? What's the content? How are we working to solve the problem? So really, the idea is, is that suicide prevention for military and veterans and family members and all Americans, to be honest, really has to happen at the community level where there's likely the least resources and the least access to infrastructure, where a lot of the research and the planning is happening really at the national level. So my co-host and I are really looking at a broad range of individuals who are impacting this topic across the nation at different levels, at the national level, at the regional and state level, and then at the community level, and trying to identify some emerging themes that come out of some of these guests. It is a limited series podcast that we're producing. It's going to be 50 episodes released over this particular year. Any particular reason why you decided to go with a limited series, or is that just the nature of the project? And we'll get into that relationship as well a little bit, but I'm just curious if there's a hard press reason for the limitedness of it? Well, this is actually the first time that I've worked with a co-host. So I do have a co-host, Doc Shauna Springer. She is a nationally recognized suicide prevention expert. She's a very busy researcher and mental health professional on her part. I am on my part. Obviously, recording with a co-host can be time-consuming. There's a lot more of the passing things back and forth and coordinating schedules. And also, really, we saw this project as a way to sort of set a baseline. And then obviously we may move on to other projects. The Headspace and Timing podcast is on hiatus. Very much may pick that up after this project is done. But also this is a year-long project here in 2020 that's produced and distributed in partnership with Military Times, which we were pretty excited to be able to partner with them. And that was sort of the agreement with them is let's produce this year-long show and then see where it goes. That's incredible. So how did that connection come about? One of the unique things that encourages us is that a publication like the Military Times was interested. This is really kind of telling us that this is the time to talk about this and tell this story. So through my efforts, I was actually a member of the George W. Bush Institute Veteran Leadership Program, which is sort of like the Presidential Leadership Scholars. And it's a sort of a eight-month-long leadership development program. And through there, I had some connections and obviously Shauna had some connections. So we approached a number of media outlets that are specializing in service members, veterans, and their families, like Task and Purpose and Military.com and Military Times. And my co-host had a previous relationship with the editor. 
And we took it to the editor and the team at Military Times, and they were really excited. They wanted to, obviously, this is a significant topic, very serious, as you said, impacting this particular population. And for that organization, for that publication to really want to come on board and highlight this, uh, tells me, it tells us that there's actually some things changing around the conversation here. So if you can disclose, like, what does that relationship look like? Are they backing this? Are they simply providing marketing support? Do they have creative control? Like, how do you work with them on the show? This is sort of that pulling the curtain back. It is basically a distribution agreement. We produce the show. I produce the show completely. We provide them the complete show notes and a completed show, and they simply post it and distribute it and highlight it through their marketing channels. Obviously, they are a print publication, but also digital and their own social media. And so things like Wondery, for example, is shows will produce a complete show and then pass it off to Wondery, and Wondery would distribute it. That is really sort of how we have have the agreement structured with military times. Gotcha. So given that you've had a show previously that you're doing with this one with the military times, you have this ability to work with a major media partner, what sort of advice or what sort of, I guess traps might sound like a loaded way of saying this, but it's the best way I could think to describe it. Like what are the things that other podcasters who might get into a similar relationship should watch out for? I mean, it sounds like yours is very beneficial, very amicable. It sounds like they're really helping you out and that there's nothing that you're too worried about, but it is something that especially cause-based podcasters are probably worried about because so many of them are not making a lot of money, are probably struggling to grow their show. And so they might jump at an opportunity to partner with a major company and not think about where some of those pitfalls might happen. So I'm wondering if there's anything that from your experience you could possibly guide other podcasters to think about? Well, that is actually something that you had mentioned is sort of the creative control. This is something unique. This is really a pilot project between us and Military Times. They do have a podcast that they have produced before, but they are primarily known for online print media. They have done some videos. And so this is really sort of a new direction that they're going in. So I don't know, but we're a little bit of a guinea pig. There is one pitfall that we're experiencing is as I am reaching out to organizations like the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Department of Defense, whenever I tell them that I am partnered with Military Times, that starts to send a lot of alarm bells off for them because they see Military Times as it is as a media organization. And a media organization doesn't always tell the story that those individuals might want to hear. It did in the very beginning take me some time to sort of calm down some folks in the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I think it has made some callbacks necessary. Another thing it really does is kind of limits you in that I'd mentioned some of these other organizations like Task and Purpose and Military.com who would not write a story on a year-long project looking at suicide in the military community basically because it is being backed by a competitor. So there is those kind of pitfalls that happen. But if you do connect with an organization for distribution purposes, we do have an agreement that is very clear and it is time limited. They don't have sponsorship control or anything like that either, which if we were to do this or if we were to renew this, there would probably be some changes in the contract where they would want to establish some sponsors and it wouldn't look exactly like this. But I think that 
because of the subject matter and because of the audience, I think it's probably a pretty good fit. Like I said, I mean, right away when I saw that you're partnered with a major media organization, I was very, very excited for you. That's not something that a lot of people get. And just the fact that you have the ability to reach that many more people before you even launch is simply incredible. But I mean, the truth is, like you said, this isn't your first rodeo. This isn't your first podcast. So whether it's through this show or your previous show, tell us a little bit about why you thought the podcasting medium was the best way to tell your stories and maybe some things you've learned about it along the way. And that's probably a lot of stuff for one question. So I'll probably come back at you again with the second part, but let's just start with first, like why was podcasting the space you wanted to jump into in the first place with this show or even the previous one? I travel a lot and a lot of people consume a bunch of different content in different ways. I think even as most recent as 2015, I had no clue what a podcast was. And then, like I said, a couple of shows reached out to me as a guest and I realized it was actually a thing. And then I started to be more interested in it. I travel a lot. And so podcasting lends itself to sort of doing something else with it, whether you're cooking or taking the dogs for a walk or traveling. Whereas other mediums like print or video, you're really kind of stationary. So it is a multitasking medium. But what's interesting for me is podcasting is a way to communicate through time. I, as a mental health professional, we go to conferences and we communicate through space. There's a presenter up on the stage and they talk to an audience and that's all happening in that contained space. And then when the presenter leaves, they take their knowledge with them. When the audience leaves, they take what they understand with them. Whereas podcasting is a way to capture what these conversations are doing is sort of at conferences, for example so that somebody may pick it up and listen to it three, four, five years from now. That's really our goal with this show is to ensure that it's evergreen enough so that somebody who is looking for some of these answers in 2022, that this show can still be relevant to them. And so that idea of being able to communicate through time, that when you and I are recording this or not the time where people are listening to it, even if it's going to be released or a year and a half from now. And so I think in that sense, it's a very unique medium that has the ability to really provide some long-lasting impact. And I believe that it actually is going to be emerging as a major media source the same way movies are and televisions are. There's going to be the big studios, like we know what they all are. Then there's going to be the small studios that are going to develop the projects that the big studios are going to buy. And then there's going to be the independent producers that are going to want to get into the small studios. I really think that podcasting has a future of a fourth type of content distribution channel like radio, TV, and movies. I think that's such an interesting analogy that you make. And one thing that we still have the benefit of right now is that for the most part, podcasters control their distribution. You don't have to get into the movie theaters to be found, discovered, heard. Anybody can subscribe to your show. Anybody can access what you're doing. So I think that's a fantastic way to think about it. What about some of the lessons you've learned along the way? Some pearls of wisdom for somebody else who is about to launch a podcast, has recently launched a podcast. What are some things that maybe they can avoid doing that you've learned from? Well, avoid getting in too deep so your wife doesn't call this your most expensive hobby you've ever had. 
Fair That's enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and you mentioned it, it's very easy to get into, but also if you really care about creativity and quality, you really want to invest. After I left the military, and I tell this to my clients, we have a lot of space in our lives. The military took up a lot of space in our lives and trying to find something to fill that space. For me, podcasting is a creative outlet. Some people will produce one or two shows or even five or 10 and then just kind of trail off. Really, for, to start off, I suggest really give it 25 or maybe 50 episodes and see if it's for you. Try something, take a swing at it pretty easy. And if you're not really driven past that 25 or 50 episodes, then maybe this isn't the medium for you. But once you hit that 25 or 30 or 40 episodes and you find that it's something that you enjoy doing, something that you don't feel like you're wasting your time or it's not a drag or anything like that, then figure out how to take it to the next level. And that's the other piece. It does have a low barrier to entry, but it's also has some very high standards if you really want to apply it. And so there's a lot of room for improvement. One of the things that we often say in mental health is that I'm doing the best that I can right now, and there's always something that I can do better. And both of those things are true, and that's definitely true with podcasting. I love that advice. That's definitely advice I have heard. And continue to hear from seasoned pros. So definitely, I think you already do, but certainly if you're listening to this, you should certainly count Dwayne among that population that knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about, and has really some great sage wisdom for everybody out there. So I know when we started the conversation, you didn't have a charity per se that you wanted to promote, right? We like to help folks donate, but you did want to talk about the Prevents campaign. This is coming out from the Department of Veteran Affairs. So you want to tell us a little bit about what that is and what they're doing and one, why we should pay attention to what, if anything, those listening who want to get involved and help out what they can do. So the Prevents Task Force is something that has been stood up really over this past year and they've just recently launched. And this actually emerged out of an executive order earlier last year, and it's called the President's Roadmap to Empower Veterans to End the National Tragedy of Suicide. And this is really a way to not just herd the cats, but herd the cat herders. A guest on my show, one of my new favorite phrases is that we seem to build silos of excellence. We're really good at what we do, but we're really good at what we do in a very contained space. And so the Prevents Initiative is really a way to sort of bring together a lot of these different things. So they have just released a roadmap. The roadmap is really some recommendations on how individuals, organizations, governmental, non-governmental entities can make an impact on suicide, not just in the military and veteran community, but in the nation as a whole. As the military goes, so goes our nation. And then just recently, they released a national public health campaign, really hoping to address this in a public health way, the same way we have done with heart disease or smoking or diabetes or seatbelts or drunk driving. And so a lot of people don't see suicide as a public health risk in the same way we do heart disease, for example, or cancer, but it really is. And it can be as complicated as these other health conditions. And so really, I'm excited about what the Prevents Task Force is doing because they're really doing their best to try to bring together a very, very complicated network of well-meaning people and to do it in such a way is hopefully to be effective. You raised a very interesting question and 
tell me if you don't want to address this or if you think it's out of line to be asking this, but I'm just wondering, why do you think it is that given the numbers that exist for suicide, whether it's among military veterans, whatever, or in the civilian population itself, like, why do you think this crisis doesn't get the same attention or the same focus that some of those other health related crises face when, I mean, from what I understand, the numbers are just as, if not almost higher than some of those other ones. Well, a lot of it's related to the stigma. This isn't something that we talk about. You don't talk about these things at parties. I see it really as like the early days of the HIV AIDS epidemic in the 80s, that it was really this other thing. This was something that other people dealt with. But a colleague of mine who was a guest in the previous podcast, Phil Smith from the University of South Alabama, he says suicide is both common and rare. It's common in that all of us have been touched or the majority of us have been touched with it in some way, but it's rare in that we can go years without it touching our lives immediately. So it's not something that is a common experience individually, but it is something that is pervasive and it's pervasive across a lot of different individuals. I think really the stigma against mental health, although we see that changing, hopefully, and especially right now with COVID and a lot more of the discussions about the impact of the pandemic on our mental health, but it really has to do with the stigma and shame around someone who you care for, a loved one who died by suicide. Well, if anybody is listening to this, we'll include the generic number for the suicide hotline if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form and need help. And especially because of the nature of this discussion, we'll also be sure to include a link to the Veterans Crisis Hotline, their phone number, and even a way to text them. If you are even just slightly struggling, there's no shame. There should be no hesitation in reaching out and trying to get help. Or if you don't think you have to take it as far as that hotline, We've talked about this in a number of different topics on cause pods in the past. There is nothing wrong with talking to someone. There's nothing wrong with seeking therapy, sessions with a mental health counselor, psychiatrist, whatever that might look like for you. There should be no shame, no stigma attached to it. Talking to someone about your mental health should be as routine as going to get your annual physical based on right. what I know in the conversations we've had. Yes, please. My son told me today that he's starting to get his wisdom teeth coming in. So what do we do? We call the orthodontist and we're going to get him checked out. And that's something that was very, very quick and it's routine and there was nothing about it. Now, if my son came to me and said that he's having some concerns about his mental health, I would hope that we would be able to do the same thing with reaching out to therapy. I couldn't agree more. I've had a few discussions recently with folks who work in that space or who are podcasting about that space. And I wish there was more that we can do to eliminate the stigma and make it just more a regular part of our everyday health. And so maybe that's your next podcast is, is destigmatizing mental health and good treatments and just regular routine maintenance of what's going on. Cause there's a lot that goes on upstairs for all of us. Absolutely. And really, that was sort of how the Headspace and Timing podcast came about. And perhaps maybe this will be good because Headspace and Timing isn't very intuitive unless you're in a military context. And so one of the weapons that go across all of the military organizations is the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. And the 50 cal is this huge weapon. It's about six foot long. It weighs tons. 
not literally, but it's controlled by this very tiny piece of equipment called a headspace and timing gauge. Because if you don't have the headspace and timing on the 50 cal set correctly, then it's not going to work. And the same thing with military and veterans. We're durable, we're very strong, you can kick us in the dirt and we can still operate. But if we don't have our headspace set right, then we're not going to operate as well as we possibly could. And that's really where their first show emerged out of is trying to reduce the stigma against seeking support. There aren't enough combat veteran mental health counselors like me in the mental health profession. And so that's really the goal is to reduce the stigma so we keep people from getting into that suicidal crisis in the first place. Couldn't have said it better myself, but of course I couldn't because you're the professional. Before we let you go, any last advice, any last guidance for someone, again, who is in the cause-based space, charity, nonprofit, or simply just in the world that we're living in today, wants to make a difference, whether it's for themselves or for someone else, uh, and they're thinking about doing it through a podcast, any other advice you'd give them right now? I think that one of the biggest things is I have a narrow audience, and then now I'm producing a show that's even a niche of that narrow audience, is, is dial it down as much as you can. We have the technology now where we can talk to thousands of individuals. I've had the show and here we are in July, and this is going to be since January, and we're approaching 10,000 downloads of a show about suicide in a very specific population. And so this is something that if you really want to get your message out, there's an audience out there and we have the technology to reach them. So narrow it and tighten it and focus as much as you can. Again, absolutely brilliant advice. This has been incredibly insightful, incredibly eye-opening. We've been chatting with Dwayne France. He's the co-host with his partner, Dr. Shauna Springer. They co-host the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast. You can follow the show, learn more about them, veteranmentalhealth.com. We will, of course, have a link to the show, links to subscribe to the show on the top three biggest platforms. And again, anybody listening to this who is struggling in any way, shape, or form, please, please, please seek help. And if it's even more so than that, we'll include the link to the suicide hotline as well as some resources to the Veterans Crisis Hotline. Dwayne France, thank you so much for chatting with us and sharing your story here on CausePods. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, Matthew. And for all those listening, we're not alone, even if we think we are. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.